0: Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb and this is my co-host Mike. We are wrapping up another hopefully excellent trilogy that makes a whole lot of sense. We talked Psycho, Punch Drunk Love, and Blue Jasmine. And I think the, the theme that we were looking at this time is kind of interesting. What is a good road trip to you, Mike? I don't know if I have a planned one. If that makes sense. I
1: I think that anytime, especially when I was a kid, uh, when you don't have control and your parents are, I would say dragging you somewhere. Uh, I'm not saying that to be uh, ungrateful, but it feels that way as a kid. And it's like, it's great when you get there, but it just, you know, it feels like it takes forever. And um, you don't have any real sense of scope or time uh, because you're not driving yourself. But I would say in my adult or young adult life, when I was, legally allowed to drive, able to, uh, I would say it would be the unplanned ones. Like, you know, buddies like, Hey, let's, especially when you don't have too many responsibilities, like, let's go to this place. That's, I don't know, six hours away, eight hours away. I've, I have done those that are like, you know, 14 to 16 on a whim. Uh, and I think maybe you lose a little bit of that buzz somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in there, but if it's, you know, within like a nice afternoon of driving, uh those are the ones that i probably remember most fondly anything that was planned uh i think some of that uh some of the joy is lost if it's something
0: that's been built up for you know months as like a proper vacation i agree with you the one that immediately comes to my mind is this was after college had finished i have uh, i have like i'd say two best friends from my college who i've known since middle school one who i've known since elementary school so one day <laughs> I was calling one of them because he was getting ready for work. I was on my way to work. And he's like, I got to take a shower. I was like, all right. So he just put it on speaker and he's taking a shower while we're talking (laughs) because we're both prolonging this like getting to work because neither of us want to go to work. And so I tell him, I was like, why don't we play hooky, essentially? Just call in sick and go do something. And he's like, yeah, but in order to make it worthwhile, we got to do something good. I don't want to call in sick and use one of those uh, uh, excuses for just like, let's, you know, uh, a sit at the house watching some dumb TV show or whatever. And I said, all right, what's something epic that we can do? Both of us were on the same wavelength because we both thought, you know what? One of the things that's been on the bucket list... Red Bank, New Jersey to jay and Bob's secret stash. And I was like, That's not that far a drive. We can do it in a day. And so we called up the third our third friend who was, I think, unemployed at the time, he was like, Hey, you're we're coming over and we're picking <laughs> you up. He's like, Okay. Always good to have one of those
1: uh in your staple of buddies. Uh always available for yeah. the hang. Uh yes. I I was that guy at uh, certain points in my youth. I was someone that had no attachments, no girlfriend, no job, <laughs> and I could always be the, you know, the uh, person riding shotgun just
0: there for running commentary. Yep. And that's exactly what we did. We went to Red Bank, New Jersey, uh, you know, on the off chance Kev might be there but who was there was Walt and so uh we got to hang out with him briefly just uh, and we were like we cut work to be here you know it's, it it felt like something uh maybe that would have happened on the animated clerk show not not one of the movies <laughs> that's probably better <laughs> i don't know if i want to be a
1: a participant in uh, some of the things that happened to, uh, especially poor Dante, and really either of the Clerks films, but right, um, yeah, uh, I, I would be there as Jay cheering on uh, a Randall kicking someone out of the store, saying you're not allowed to rent here
0: anymore. I would be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So our main characters in the movies that we saw this month, not from Clerks, all... even though we no, want to, not we at want to all. Talk from about clerks. clerks every month, but not this time. <laughs> we've got Marion, uh, we've got Barry, and we have Jasmine. And all three of them start off... Uh, they are uh, Their situations are pretty grim. Marion is trying to be with uh, her boyfriend, Sam, and he won't be with her because he doesn't want to be a financial burden. And, and it's a very relatable and heart-wrenching situation, and you see that immediately. And we talked about how quick her arc is... The the fact that she even has one, despite the fact that she is is gone by half the movie. Uh, Barry is lost. I feel like he's searching for human connection and unable to find it, especially with the kind of family that he has with the uh, overwhelming number of sisters. And so that's kind of what leads him down the path of the sex hotline. So he's lost and lonely. And then Jasmine, of course, quite possibly... In the worst condition, at least if you ask her, she has the worst Uh, trying to hold on to any sense of sanity and then remnants of her old life. And so I feel like all three of them absolutely do physically go on a road trip, whether uh, it's sparked by something that is positive or not. Our, our theme this month was a breakdown of a trip, and it could be a number of things. I decided to look at it very literally. Yes, Marion does not have a very good trip. It doesn't end well for her. It actually doesn't end well for Jasmine either. The only one to come out on top here is Barry Egan. Thank you, Criterion Collection, yet again. Uh, coming soon
1: to this very podcast, Love and Basketball, as my co-host has made me made me
0: aware. <laughs> Um, Each of these trips are kind of unannounced. Essentially, they kind of mm-hmm. happen uh, at the spur of the moment. I guess yeah. the only other, the only one that maybe planned is in Blue Jasmine because I, I guess she needs a place to go. Although she is imposing herself on on her sister. Yes, that's right. We've got a MacGuffin, a Hitchcock classic, uh, the money that Marion uses, and that sparks the road trip. She kind of has to. Uh, Punch Drunk Love. We have Barry. Finally gaining the courage to go on this not only physical but emotional journey for love, for this relationship that might be something worthwhile. As he threatens poor Philip Seymour Hoffman with that he has a power now that that infuses him. And then, of course, Janet uh, escaping from reality. That's, I guess, her spark. That's that's all she can do. And you're right, imposing on some kind of familiar ground where she can continue to be on top, like look down on others. So how did you react to these trips? Because we talked about how much we both are uh, road trip movie Mm. fans. These are not the kind of road trip movies. that not uh, typical. Yeah, this is not a romp. None of these are.
1: I mean, they're all... The trips are all brought upon by some sort of pressure cooker situation. Uh, I'm interested in, you know, which one you feel the trip is most necessary uh, for. I think most people would say, and even Marion herself in the um, in Psycho, that she made a rash decision. That the character comes comes to that conclusion uh, later on. Uh, she even says she has a line that she's, you know, basically got herself into a mess, and she needs to go back to get her to work her way out of it. I I don't know how to take the trip from Punch Drunk Love. Other than our main character is doing it just because he sees an opportunity. He doesn't know what the opportunity means to him yet. It actually ends up working out for him because he finds love. Not through the trip, but he is able to connect the two things. He has these frequent flyer miles through this weird <laughs> pudding scam. And... Because of that, he can just drop everything and just like give in completely to falling in love. He can give up his job. He can, uh, you know, the, the grand gesture in that particular film is that he says he can just be with her wherever she needs, wherever she needs to be for her job. He can just be with her. Jasmine, when you were doing your introduction, I'm wondering with Kate Blanchett, because um, I think with the first two characters, we can sympathize. Marion Crane and uh, Psycho. She is taunted by a man with means who is making a production out of giving the world to his daughter with uh, this lavish wedding and setting her up, and all she wants in life is to marry the man that she loves, but through his divorce through financial problems, she can't Barry you know just wants to find someone to connect with Jasmine had it all and is the one that destroyed it uh through a very similar thing to probably like married in psycho through a rash emotional response. She finds out her husband's cheating on her. So she calls his bluff, I guess, in a way and calls attention to his uh, Ponzi scheme that he has going and and, in essence destroys herself as well. We did talk about in the blue Jasmine episode, surprisingly how much sympathy we had uh, to this character, but she is the one of the three in our trilogy that we've made up this month um, that did have it. And lost it. Whereas the other two are just aspiring to just get to that point with whatever they're doing with this trip, the, the financial problems they're trying to solve, it will lead to them having happiness with someone that they are in love with. And Jasmine, the trip is just to basically find that lifestyle again. I don't know if we are meant to believe that uh, the man she almost becomes engaged to uh, played by Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, If she actually is in love with him, or she's just in love with going back to that persona and that lifestyle that she she had. Uh, Which just means that uh, for this wrap-up show, uh, we are going to formally apologize for yet again featuring Woody Allen and just shit all over his main character. We were far too sympathetic the first time around. Uh, So that (laughs) one is obviously the bronze medal winner for our uh, breakdown of a trip trilogy.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is exactly... uh, in my notes here, because I also thought about, well, why does the trip for each of these characters go awry? And you've got some internal forces and some external forces. Internal for Marion, of course, she steals the money, which kickstarts it all. And so she is kind of responsible. But of course, what breaks everything down is Norman Bates. And he's that external force, the villain. With Barry. The internal, I guess you could say, is him even calling the sex hotline and going to that place. And then it, there's a chain of events there. But then ultimately the external force is once again another villain. You've got Dean Trumbell, the wonderful Philip Seymour Hoffman, orchestrating uh, the, these wonderful uh, financial schemes. <laughs> wonderful. That's a, that's a word for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Not wonderful. These criminals. <laughs> these criminals games. But with Jasmine, there is no external uh, force out there. In fact, I feel like she has a wonderful support structure set in place. She is the villain of this story. Snitching on her husband to the FBI. I mean, granted, you know, I, I guess she's technically doing the right thing there for the wrong reasons. Yes, for vengeful reasons. Yes, and then her refusal to ultimately move on or or see the good in any of these people who she believes are completely beneath her. And so I feel like you're right. She is the outlier of uh, of these three films, despite the fact that you've got Marion who ends up dying i feel like she's almost better off <laughs> than Jasmine. jasmine. <laughs> death or rambling fool in the middle of the 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 street so you're pausing that there's there's really
1: no hope for redemption for jasmine the way we leave her you don't think that the I film think is so you don't think this is her reaching bottom you think this is the new level for her life
0: Yes. And what you said about uh, wh- whether she loves this new man in her life or not, I think she loves him as much as her ex-husband. That's how much I think she loved the lifestyle and and buying into Sally Hawkins' concept of, oh, I have all the good genes, as if that makes any sense. A- as I thought about these films over the past week or so, after listening to our conversation on it the first time, you're right. I am less, ah, oh, I am less sympathetic towards her. But you know what's going to happen? Is maybe a year from now, I'm going to pop Blue Jasmine back into. Well, I was going to say back in the DVD player, back onto my iTunes. I'm going to press play, <laughs> and at the end of it, I'm going to be like. Boy, I really was pulling for her. I think that's the seductive nature of that performance. It's so good that I'll, I'm gonna fall right back into my old habit and and feel bad for her.
1: That's the difference between being like in it, being swept up by uh, the performance, uh, the writing, the direction, you know, just the the setting. Like it it, it puts us right there with Jasmine, uh, even though we can kind of step back, especially when she's making kind of. Uh, a list of demands uh, from her sister and her sister's uh, various men in her life that really she's not in the place to do. So we do get swept away with her concerns. Uh, She is our sort of guiding force. She's our main character, as opposed to having (laughs) some distance from it where we're like, wow, that Jasmine, what a jerk. Like when you, (laughs) when you're, when you're not in the movie, I actually think that uh, punch drunk love can suffer a little bit from that too. Like if we just read off the antics of the Barry Egan characters (laughs) played by Adam Sandler, I don't know how sympathetic he is either. Now, in that conversation we had, you weren't really sympathetic to him at all (laughs) in his plight. You were, uh, you did not, uh, PTA did not work his magic, uh, I guess like Woody Allen did for you. Has that changed at all as you look at it as part of our thematic trilogy? Are you a little bit more favorable to Punch Drunk Love? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. I I am, and I think it it also is being able to reflect on it. Like I, I hate the fact that we have to have the Oscars every year. You really need a ten year break between like hey the man, year a film comes out. They should try anything at this point. <laughs> Just to juice <laughs> the numbers,
1: sure. Do a like you know a re Oscars, you know, a decade later. <gasps> And I think it would be for film fans. It would be fun (laughs) for regular people. They'd be like, why are they doing 2011 again this year? What is happening? Hey, at the very least the the movies would be available. People could say, Hey, I think I have that around somewhere. Let's see if, uh, let's see if drive wins best picture this year. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if that one's, I think that reached a peak, probably pretty close to its release and probably has faded a bit.
0: But with Barry, as I thought about, his plight much after you know once i finish the film i'm like yeah i'm not really where that character is so i can't quite empathize with him but yes compared to uh blue jasmine and then the more i think about it the more i think about those antics the more i think about well i was in that place once and so sometimes you just need a little bit of breathing room between watching a film Uh, that knee-jerk reaction occurs, and then you just let it settle. You let it sink in. And that's all it was. So yes, I I do uh, look back at his issues with much more empathy than I did uh, at the end of my most recent viewing. As for Psycho, no. I am not touching (laughs) Psycho. It's still a goddamn masterpiece. You you can't say a, a wrong thing about it. I feel bad for Marion, of course. And I think even the most law abiding citizen would feel for her. Yeah, like she's took the money because that opening sequence is so powerful. It really and you don't see uh, Sam, you don't see her boyfriend again until after her death. She's doing this horrible thing for him and for them. So, yeah, that's where I am with her. Uh, a, a few great trips just ruined by uh, some really horrible people. Thankfully we have one of our protagonists who who makes it I mean, I would say that uh, Punch Drunk Love, besides you know being
1: the sweetest, obviously, of the three films, uh, also has the best destination. I mean, Hawaii probably is number one in the ranking, even though it is very much secondary to this character. He doesn't really care about being in Hawaii. He only cares about who is there, the, the person that he's following. I can't say the same for Jasmine. <laughs> it's like, she only cares about the shelter <laughs> and really not so much her sister being in San Francisco. Um, I, I wondered, uh, watching these together, how they've aged as far as the, the look at, uh, the mental health struggles of the characters. Now it's very light in psycho. I mean, it's, it's just more, uh, a flight of fancy to just like money is in front of me. I'll take it. That'll solve my... It's it's actually very childlike. Let me just run away with this money and solve our issues. Punch Drunk Love is looking at basically like a a man-child that I guess Adam Sandler had become known for and, and celebrated for in the 90s. And I suppose Blue Jasmine is attempting to be the most honest look at someone struggling with those issues. It's just usually in those films, I don't think it's attached to someone that... Yeah, even my co-host here is saying like, Well, they're a lost cause. <laughs> Don't want to talk to the crazy lady on the on the bench. <laughs>
0: but the dissent, you see the dissent mm. though. That that's the thing. It's not just as simple as, Oh, this horrible thing happened and then you know it's like that happened, and then the way she's trying to rebound from it through her lying and that backfires in a big way. Yeah, it's not as simple as, oh, she's crazy, let's move on. It's just we've been through this that's journey what, with that's her. That's
1: what Woody Allen did. <laughs> Cut to black. <laughs> no, got no more use for her. Punched her a glove in that way. Uh, and I think you brought up some of those those points. We don't really know Barry. We, we have some peaks behind his relationship with his, God, numerous sisters in the, in the family that are so abusive to him and take such glee in being abusive to him. Uh, But he's sort of introduced as an oddity and I think remains like elusive in that regard. It's I think you're meant to come away with I'm happy that this person has found his person, but I don't think we ever get any closer to really knowing who he is. I I think he's going to be a character that, unlike Jasmine, remains kind of stagnant, maybe happier but I think he is who he is. like Just like how he can't explain why
0: he's wearing that suit every day. I don't even think he knows why he's doing some of the things that he does. The thing with Barry Egan's character is because you have Adam Sandler playing him, I think there's less heavy lifting for him to do versus Janet Lee and Kate Blanchett because... And the way that PTA writes the script, he's like, all right, we're just going to utilize the Adam Sandler persona, the same way that Apatow did in, in Funny People. Like, it's not that much of a stretch for Adam Sandler to play that character. Now, I say that, of course, not knowing the man personally, just from what I glean. It's like, I, I think he can recall his own experiences hmm. that way. So, But yeah, it seems like Adam Sandler just kind of doing his thing, but the context is different. We're already familiar with Happy Gilmore and, and Billy Madison. It's like, OK, we're just placing different aspects of those individuals, of those characters into Adam Sandler because Adam Sandler is a character himself. He just is. That's that's how uh, that's his level of celebrity. I think that's why uh, we're OK with him being as, I guess, underdeveloped as he is. Do you feel the same about his love interest with uh, Emily Watson? No, like the two characters are so different. I guess not. I guess we just attribute the opposite characteristics. She's just much more stable and she's such a good actress and she's somebody who I'm constantly rooting for. Like I always think about Red Dragon. It's not a great movie, but she does such a good job and she's so you just want to take care of her. That's, I, have you ever seen her in a villainous role? Like, I don't want to. I, I want her to always be somebody I want to take care of. And, and uh, she does such a good job here. And so she plays her part really well against his. I feel like she vouches for the Barry character to the
1: audience. She brings a warmth and sweetness where... yeah, Instead of feeling afraid, uh, like on their first date, how he goes and beats up the bathroom and gets them kicked out of the restaurant... Like normally, we would read that scene as get away from him. Like, oh, this poor woman doesn't know what she's walking into, and yet through her acceptance of him, it's like she leads us along to be like, this is going to be okay. This is-. and and part of it's the, you know the music and the charm of how, as you said, the context that Paul Thomas Anderson puts this version of Ab Sandler together, but um, the fact that she has sought him out and she set up these accidental meetings and set up this introduction through his sister by seeing his picture. I think all of that in some way allows us to be okay with this as opposed to being scared when he's, making out with her in Hawaii, saying he wants to smash her face with a, with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> we don't read it as, like, you know, uh, Rafe finds in uh, Red Dragon, where it's like, uh, get her out of the house. This is very scary, and she's not seeing his creepy tattoos as he prances around naked, but uh, not so much in Punch Drunk Love. I'm not saying that, uh, What well, I'm saying, I'm going to make the bold claim that Paul Thomas Anderson is a better director than... Uh, the guy who did brought us X-Men Last Stand, Brett Ratner, in his version of the uh, Hannibal Lecter mythos. But even he may have a hard time if he had written a scene where Barry got up and had a full-body dragon tattoo. <laughs> That's a hard one to pull. Uh, but yeah, no, I think she's she's perfect here. And that she she makes everyone feel comfortable uh, with this guy and with this, this very sort of sweet but odd
0: romance. Oh, certainly. I I completely agree. And yes, it is unfair to compare PTA to Brett Ratner. I mean, we'll always have Tower Heist, but... (laughs) Coming soon. I'm sorry. This Thanksgiving (laughs) trilogy in theory. (laughs) I think that this is a difficult trilogy to put together. I still think it works, and it really did get us talking about... Just the concept of what a road trip is, why we take them, what can go wrong. And the main characters, the protagonist that we love so much, almost right off the bat in each of these three films. Maybe me not so much with Barry, but I got there. I feel like I got there in the end. And so I think this was definitely worthwhile. I just feel bad that all three of our main characters could not reach the finish line the way that Barry did. Thankfully, we have one. I mean, I, I guess to make it a true trilogy, we would have to find one. But we didn't know this going in. We had to find one where they, all of them falter. Uh, and, and maybe that goes back to what you said. It's like the planned trips are always bad. It's like the the spontaneous ones. And I guess his is the most spontaneous of them all. In fact, he actually gets two of them. And if you want to include his trip uh, to go and have his showdown with Dean. So I guess he kind of gets in that extra trip as
1: well. His lovely trip to, to Provo, Utah, which is always the most fulfilling of any road trip you can have to go, (laughs) go threaten a man who runs a mattress store and a sex hotline. Um, Actually, that doesn't sound too bad. (laughs) It sounds pretty cool. If you could tell your your buddies that story. (laughs) Yeah. I think I I really like um, all of the films here. And I like their approach. It may be, even though we have a very literal theme uh, with the breakdown uh, of a trip, it is odd um, how strikingly different all of them are and their treatment of the characters making uh, said said trip. So uh, you always ask, "Is this you know was this successful?" And it's funny to me. I think the times where you think this was not a successful month, you lead with that because you're like, "So, Deniston." Was this any good? And I'm like, oh, Webb's about to say it was not. (laughs) He just wants wants me to get on the record. I found this one really interesting and probably the only time I'll watch Punch Drunk Love uh, with Psycho uh, in some sort of purposeful uh, capacity. So I enjoyed this one. That's a pat on the back for us yet again. Certainly.
0: Wait a minute. What is that, Mike?
1: There's a drive. Deep left field. You talk about belted way out into the concourse.
0: Holy smokes Oh, that, that's just Trilogy 3 hitting another home run that, That's all it is
1: <laughs> Even the months when Webb comes on To the recording and says, this was a failure The podcast is great <laughs> These movies, yeah. know, they stink <laughs>